Welcome to Say When, a podcast for anyone who's had enough of restrictive diets, feeling bad about their bodies, or believing they can never be worthy or valued until they reach their ideal weight. Had enough? Then it's time to say when. I'm Holly Toscanini, a certified health coach and chronic dieter. I coach women who are ready to walk away from diet culture and redefine their relationship with food while establishing a peaceful relationship with their bodies. Does this sound like you? If so, I'm glad you're here. This non-diet approach to health is important because it allows you to stop wasting precious time and energy trying to change yourself to fit some unrealistic ideal of beauty. Plus, it speaks to your underlying desire to feel valued and worthy just as you are. Ready to learn more? Let's get started. Hello and welcome. Today, we're going to break down some of the most popular myths about body weight that keep us stuck in a diet mentality and buying into the lies diet culture has been gaslighting us with. They are restrictive diets are best for long-term weight management. Weight loss is a simple math equation, calories in versus calories out. You'd lose weight if you just had some willpower. Sugar-free or fat-free foods are better for a healthy diet. Eating junk food makes you fat. Fat people don't exercise or you're fat because you're lazy. People in larger bodies have slower metabolisms. And the only thing that really matters is how much weight you lose, not how you do it. Or weight loss has no bad side effects. Look, I've been where you are. I know it's hard to separate facts from fiction when it comes to knowing what it takes to be healthy. In the past, we have focused so much of our time and energy and money on the latest fad diet, exercise program, or miracle weight loss drug. We've put our lives on hold until we reach our ideal weight. Only then will we, will we be able to have the life that we've always dreamed of. Now, one of the biggest hurdles for women who are ready to start taking a non-diet approach to health is to detach from the lies we've been fed about dieting and weight loss that we believe are absolute facts. And once we learn the truth, we'll realize that it's not our fault that diets don't work. Let's dive in. Let's start with restrictive diets are best for long-term weight management. You know, about two-thirds of all people who lose weight by restricting the amount of food they eat regain it again within a year, and almost all of them regain it within five years. This is why restrictive diets are not associated with long-term weight loss. And just to be clear, any program that asks you to count calories, macros, limit food groups, or classify some foods as free while others cost you more points, they're still diets. Now, a study done in 2020 showed that most diets, including the popular paleo, keto, Whole30, and Mediterranean diets, all result in weight loss and lower blood pressure. But these achievements disappeared over about a year. See, eating less is what essentially all diets focus on, which usually results in a change in your body weight. But we usually go back to our old eating habits and coping mechanisms involving food after we reach that weight loss goal. This is why it's so important to understand why you do what you do when it comes to food and learn how to change your beliefs about food and your self-worth. Next, weight loss is a simple math equation, calories in versus calories out. You know, for years, people have been saying that eating one extra 50 calorie cookie a day can make you put on five pounds in a year. And this calculation comes from basic math. I mean. 
let's break it down. If it takes 3,500 extra calories to make you put on a pound of body fat, then 50 times 365 is 18,250 extra calories. If you divide that by the 3,500 calories it takes to gain a pound, it equals about five pounds. But the truth is our bodies regulate weight and can easily compensate for such a small change in calorie intake or output with small changes in our metabolic rate. It takes more calories to move heavier bodies also and fewer calories to move lighter ones. I actually read a study that showed people only lost about 20% as much as you would expect them to lose if that 3,500 calorie formula was actually accurate. It also showed that those results can vary significantly from one person to the next. Plus, as our body weight changes, the proportion of food and exercise needed to change our weight changes too. This confirms my belief that one way of eating does not work for everyone. Finally, you know, this formula was originally based on rich, white, European men, so it can't possibly apply to every human being. Eating plans are most effective when they are individually personalized and based on trusting your body's wisdom. All right, let's get into you'd lose weight if you just had some willpower. You know, people don't gain or lose weight because they lack willpower. Evolution designed our bodies to sustain our body weight to keep us alive in times of famine or hardship. Our genetic makeup deliberately encourages our bodies to maintain a stable body weight. There are also a lot of medical issues and medications that can make it exceptionally difficult to change our weight. Our biology, not our lack of willpower, determines the shape of our bodies. And here's one of my personal favorites. Sugar-free or fat-free foods are better for a healthy diet. And I have to tell you, the majority of my career was spent in weight loss clinics and medical weight management programs, and I bought into this so much. But I'm here to tell you, it's just not true. You see, sugar-free foods have been marketed as a healthier option since the 1960s. The sugar industry paid scientists to play down the link between sugar and heart disease and promote saturated fat as the bad guy instead. Then in 1952, the first sugar-free ginger ale called NoCal was created for diabetics, and by 1963, the Coca-Cola company joined the market with Tab. Coca-Cola named its first diet soda Tab because it was marketed to consumers who wanted to keep tabs on their weight. So here's what I find so interesting. This product was designed to help diabetics, but was co-opted by the diet industry to sell people a weight loss product. Kind of sounds a lot like what's happening with Ozempic, the drug for diabetics that celebrities and other wealthy people are using as a miracle weight loss drug. When it comes to sugar or fat, remember, no food is inherently good or bad, and you are not a good or bad person because of your choices with food. This is something we learn when we begin to practice intuitive eating. Now, if you want to learn more, um, especially about food politics, check out a book by Marion Nestle called Food Politics, How the Food Industry Influences Nutrition and Health. It's a great book. I'll put a link at the bottom of the show notes. Here's the next one. Eating junk foods makes you fat. Weight gain doesn't happen overnight, but slowly over an extended period of time. I think we can all agree on this. Eating food that's highly processed and contains high amounts of fat or sugar or salt is not the only reason for weight gain. 
a study at Cornell University about people's eating habits based on their BMI or body mass index showed individuals with a BMI of 25 or less consumed nearly identical amounts on average as junk food, uh, average of junk food as those with a BMI of over 25. The bottom line is there wasn't that much difference no matter what your BMI was. Next, fat people don't exercise or you're fat because you're lazy. A common misconception is that people who are fat are inactive. This one is particularly unhelpful because it depicts people in larger bodies as lazy. This perpetuates fat phobia, weight discrimination, and bias. This myth also perpetuates the idea that having a larger body is caused by overeating or eating a poor diet. Now, according to current research, these are symptoms, not causes. The number of calories a person burns depends on several factors, like gut microorganisms and hormones, or genetics, sleep, stress, medication, and even thyroid problems can all contribute to our weight. Next, people in larger bodies have slower metabolisms. Now, the claim that leaner people have a faster metabolism is a myth that just will not die. You see, larger bodies actually have a higher resting metabolic rate because they need more energy just to carry out basic functions. Plus, body composition plays a big role in how fast your metabolism is, not just weight. You see, if you have more muscle, that tissue tends to burn slightly more calories than fat. So people who weigh more might have a faster metabolism if muscle is also a part of that extra weight. The next one is the only thing that really matters is how much weight you lose. Now, when we step on the scale, the only thing we want to see is the total number of pounds lost. We forget to consider the composition of that weight loss. Are we gaining or losing water, muscle, or fat, or some combination of those things? The most popular weight loss programs claim to help you lose a significant amount of weight in just a few weeks. Unfortunately, most of that weight loss is from water and lean muscle. If you've been increasing your cardio or weight training for a few weeks while restricting your food, you might look at the scale and believe you're not losing weight because you're gaining muscle. But the sad truth is, for the average woman, it could take anywhere from, you would gain only about a half a pound to two pounds of muscle a month. And that's only by following a dedicated weight training program. So no, you probably didn't gain a couple of pounds of muscle this weight this month. It's mostly water retention. I hate to say it. Now, this last one drives me crazy because everybody seems to forget that weight loss is not always safe. So weight loss has no bad side effects is a myth I'd like to crush. Quick weight loss can increase the risk of gallstones. When we restrict our food intake, our bodies reduce the energy we expend in an attempt to preserve our body fat, which can lead to not only regaining the weight, but also adding even more. Weight loss can have some unpleasant side effects like psychological stress and an increase of risk, increased risk of depression. Stress and depression can significantly increase the risk of weight gain too. So losing weight doesn't necessarily improve your mental health either. You know, people in larger bodies who dropped more than 5% of their body weight over four years were 52% more likely to experience depression than those who stayed within 5% of their initial weight. Finally, if you were depressed before you reached your ideal weight, that may not change. 
Many people say they feel temporarily happy or more confident after they've lost weight, but it's not a cure-all. That's probably because weight loss doesn't address any of the underlying problems we have, like a lack of self-esteem or unresolved trauma. Now, if you're only confident when your body looks a certain way, how confident are you really? All those failed attempts to lose weight only to gain it back, plus more most of the time, can lead to issues with self-esteem and add to a poor body image. So what do you think? Were you surprised by the truth behind any of these myths? I know I was. See, diet culture thrives off misinformation and reporting one-sided studies. The first thing I always recommend you do if you're reading a scientific study is find out who paid for it, who funded that study. That entity will most likely benefit from the results. Now that you know the truth, you may be asking yourself what does work when it comes to achieving a healthy, balanced weight. Well, you need to start by challenging any negative beliefs you have about your value and your worth. Then address your body image and learn to practice intuitive eating. You can finally stop putting your life on hold until you lose the weight. It's all about taking a holistic approach to having a healthy, balanced life. One that takes all aspects of who you are into consideration, mind, body, and soul. So if you're ready to learn how cultivating a more neutral relationship with your body creates a sense of peace and acceptance of yourself more than you've ever felt before, if you're ready to increase your self-esteem and improve your body image while learning how to tune into the wisdom of your body, if you want to have the confidence to pursue your life's passions and never obsess about food or your weight again, then it's time to start feeling good in the body you have the way it is right now. Working together, I can help you build the skills to recognize your internal eating cues, prioritize your self-care, and develop a non-judgmental attitude towards your food choices and your body. Click the link in the show notes to see how practicing body acceptance and intuitive eating will liberate you from diet culture. Once you learn the skills you need to be truly confident, you, my friend, will be unstoppable. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Say When, the podcast for women who've had enough of diet culture and are ready to get on with their lives. If you'd like to learn more about working with me, send me a DM through Instagram at Holly Toscanini, or you can find me on my website, hollytoscanini.com. Thanks for joining me.